Let's take our Bibles now and turn to the book of Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter number 11. The little children are going out. If you feel like a little kid tonight, (laughs) I want to follow them. But uh, yeah, let's be in prayer. A lot of stuff coming up. It's good, though. It's good. We do this on purpose. I know it's exhausting, and you're working, and it's hot outside and humid, and but just around here, it's like you got to do stuff in the summer uh, that we can't always do in the winter. But then, I don't know, we kind of dispelled that myth this February when we had uh, winter recess DVBS up in, <laughs> up in the countryside. It was Ben's idea. I said to him one day, I said, I've always thought for years we should do something when the kids are off for winter recess in the public schools that week. We should do something for them. And he said, oh, let's do it. And so he came up with a program. And, Really went well. And uh, one of those boys comes to everything, and he's got his grandma coming and his great-grandma coming ever since, ever since. And they, they've been a blessing. So, well, praise the Lord. This is called a short course on prayer. A short course on prayer tonight. That's the title of the message, a short course on prayer. Maybe you can write some things down on the back of your bulletin. Prayer is one of those subjects that there's no such thing as a short course on it. It's a lifelong study. And we were with some men yesterday, I think about nine pastors, a couple of evangelists who were stressing the importance of prayer. A couple of them were up there saying that they have just resolved and for a long time have been spending at least one hour with God in prayer every single day. And uh, since they have been doing that, they've talked about what uh, what power there seems to be in their ministries uh, like never before. And it was refreshing for them to say that. Now, listen, I'll be honest with you, summertime is about the worst time for prayer. It really is. I mean, like I just said, we're very busy in the summertime, but sometimes we're too busy and our prayer life suffers. And our prayer life is not like it is maybe in the wintertime. And uh, we're not as disciplined in the summer. Uh, we're not as regimented. We don't have that routine, that schedule that we're used to. And sometimes prayer suffers. And so I thought I'd just bring a message, one message tonight called A Short Course on Prayer, looking at Luke 11, verses 1 through 13. Tremendous discourse that you could probably do a doc- doctoral thesis on it, if you wanted to really dig into how deep this is, these 13 verses, but we're just going to give it a, a, a skimming tonight to hopefully kind of revive us. I don't know how your prayer life's been this summer, but I know in my life it, it's, it's uh, something that you've got to really work on because there's stuff going on, and you're tired, and it's hot, and it's humid, and boy, you're thinking, boy, I'd like to do this on the yard, I'd like to do this on the house, I've got to fix this, and and pretty soon, uh, prayer can suffer. Uh, prayer can suffer in the summer time. So, I hope this will maybe revive us, especially with the important things coming up. I actually want to come out with the prayer wheel by Wednesday night for Vacation Bible School, like we used to do in the old days, where we had somebody praying every hour around the clock, or at least around the daytime, uh, specifically for that, because because we have some people every year that's all they come to they're not coming to church for anything 
But they'll send their kids to vacation Bible school. It's like a tradition for them. Or they just send them to every vacation Bible school just to get rid of them or something. Uh, but uh, we want to have the power of God. Uh, the power of God. We'll talk a lot about that here in a few minutes uh, at the end of what Jesus says. But I want you to notice his example, first of all, that the uh, verse 1 indicates that Jesus had a certain place and a certain time. I think you can read that between the lines in uh, chapter 11, verse 1 of Luke. Notice it says this, And it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, that indicates a certain time, Jesus had a prayer time. We need to have both a prayer time and a prayer life. A prayer time is closet prayer. That's where Jesus taught. You enter into your closet. You shut the door. You get down on your knees and you pray to your Father in secret. And your Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. He would not have taught us to do that if he had not done that himself. And I believe we see the example of our Savior here in verse 1, uh, the first part of the verse. Two things. As he was praying in a certain place, these disciples knew where that place was. It was part of the routine of Christ and of Jesus needed to pray in a certain place for a certain time. Notice it says when he had ceased. It just There came a point in that prayer place where the time expired and Jesus ceased his prayer time because he had to go on and minister to people or whatever he was doing that day. And so we see the example of Christ and the disciples saw the example of Christ and they saw another example. It says at the end of verse number 1, the disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. So notice they had two models. And those two models of prayer, Jesus and John, caused these adult men to say, boy, teach us to pray. So you and I need to set a model of prayer. Uh, people need to see us praying. They need to see us getting prayers answered so it will whet their appetite to want to know how they can pray. And so pray, come to prayer meetings. Well, I just pray in private. That's great, but there was something about Jesus' prayer life that was visible, and there was something about John's prayer life that was visible. And uh, they used to look at John the Baptist, and, and there, there was one many things unique about his ministry, but one of the things all of Christ's disciples saw was that John had classes on prayer with his disciples. And he took them and says, now when you pray, this is how you pray. And so, as I've said before, prayer is taught, but prayer is also caught. It's caught by taking our boys and our girls into prayer meeting and having them listen to others pray and then having them see 
their parents get prayers answered. Their grandparents get prayers answered. Their church gets prayers answered. They hear missionaries getting their prayers answered and evangelists and, and uh, testimony time. And they, they grow up with the models of prayer. And then they want to know, how do I pray? How do I pray? And then they can get a prayer life started. So we see a model here, Jesus and John. And it whet the appetite for adult men. Praise God, as I've said before, these guys messed up a lot during the first three years, but they were they wanted to know some stuff. Lord, increase our faith. Lord, teach us to pray. Lord, why could not we cast this man out? And they learned about fasting, and but but they were humble. God can teach humble adult men who don't think they know it all. But we'll say, you know, I, I don't do as good as those people in fasting or prayer or faith or, or, or whatever. Uh, Lord, show me uh, what they learned in their life. And so he says now in a model prayer, and he said unto them, when ye pray, say. And then he gives us a model prayer that everybody should memorize. Get your kids to memorize this. Uh, model prayer, sometimes it's called the Lord's Prayer, but it's really our prayer. Uh, he says, uh, when ye pray, say, because he doesn't have to say these things. He doesn't have to say, forgive us of my, me of my sins. Lead me not into temptation, that type of thing. But <clears throat> he gives it to us as a model of prayer. Now, in Matthew's account, uh, where it is found in Matthew 6, he uses these words. He says, after this manner, therefore, pray ye. And he says, don't use vain repetitions as the heathen do. So when I tell you to memorize this passage word perfect, it's not so that you can just repeat it in a vain repetition. Have you ever heard that before? Man, I've heard that before. Our Father, which art in heaven, all that be that. And uh, that's not what God wants. But he wants us to, to use this as a model. Now, if you want to write on the back of your bulletin, I want to give you what we call an alliteration here. But uh, using the letter P, sometimes these help me to uh, remember truth. I want you to notice what the letter P, first of all, paternity. When you pray, say, Our Father. Our Father. We've got to recognize that when we come to God in prayer, you don't come like a know-it-all. You come as a child. Our Father. Daddy. Abba. Father is the Bible word. And boy, that's the kind of people that get their prayers answered. I don't care if they're 90 years old, if they still come like a child to their father. Say, Father, I need you. You see the kid, your kids, grandkids, Corey Lee. She just runs up to me like this and goes like this, you know. And, and uh, I haven't resisted her once yet uh, when she does that. And, and that's, that's the picture here. Our Father. Uh, we need to have that intimate relationship with our Father. Uh, you know, sometimes I hear people say uh, when they pray, God, that's okay. He's okay with that. All right? God can take it. Your Lord. So why not say our Father like the Lord taught us? And just right from the beginning moments of your prayer life, say, I'm just coming to you like one of your children. You're my Father. I sure need your help today. Paternity. Then number two, place, which art in heaven, which art in heaven. Uh, we have to realize that he's in a unique place. He's in heaven. We're on earth. And um, 
He is our Father, which art in heaven. We have a Father. Uh, 33% of the children growing up in America today have no Father. Imagine that. Boy, we're sunk. <laughs> you think it's bad now? Wait till these kids grow up. Uh, fathers make a profound difference. I was listening to Bill Barr yesterday. You know, Bill Barr used to be President Trump's attorney general. He was being interviewed, and he says, well, what this country needs is more dads. He says, we need dads. We need dads to be there for their children, dads to teach them, uh, dads to play with them, dads to spend time with them. And then he said, number two, we need more religion. Now, he's a Christian. I think he just used that word for political terms, reasons. But we know what he was saying, that they need Christ. Uh, they need the Bible. He says those two things would start to set our country straight again. If we had more dads and if we had more of religion or true religion, Christ, Christianity. Amen. We got a father. But, but these kids can get saved who don't have a father, and they can have a father. He's a father to the fatherless. And uh, he is really existing in a place to the north here called heaven. He, he, he really exists there. God is real. But he's also omnipresent. He's here down on earth. But, but we're, we're supposed to address him as our Father which art in heaven. And when they come to know Christ as their Savior, they get a brother. Because Jesus is our big brother. Amen? Uh, so they get a father when they're saved, and then they get a big brother. Jesus is our big brother. He's not ashamed to call us brethren. And uh, then they get the Holy Spirit who's a comforter. A comforter, paraclete, same word that's used about moms comforting their children. So, wow, you get a lot when you get saved. You get the Trinity. That's the greatest thing you get when you get saved. Eternal life, too, but you get the Trinity to be in those capacities of, of, of life that maybe you haven't been privileged to have. A father, a brother, a comforter. Hallowed be thy name. That's priority. The main thing as we approach our Father, which art in heaven, is to understand from the beginning, hallowed be thy name. Jesus taught us that. That word hallowed means holy, sanctified. And the priority of prayer is holiness. The priority of prayer is holiness. And that's something we're just not interested in by nature. We've got to have a new nature to want to be a holy, separated, righteous people. Our flesh wants to get up every time we open our eyes in the morning and look for the first way we can sin and satisfy ourselves. Uh, and so God wants us to get in a prayer right away from the beginning of the day, acknowledging His holiness. Holiness. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. That is the priority of our prayer life. And then notice the program. Thy kingdom come. Our, uh, as we begin to make requests, the first part has to do with worship. Our Father, which art in heaven. You're, you're unique. You're, you're different than all other fathers. You're in that special holy place. Hallowed be thy name. That's all worship. Now when we begin to make requests, which is what prayer is, our first request is this. Lord, I need new tires for my car. Boy, I'd like to have that new cell phone they just came out with. 
Right? No, that's not what it says. Thy kingdom come. The first priority of our prayer is to pray for the kingdom of God, and that'll take you hours. (laughs) Because the kingdom of God is all of God's work. Thy kingdom come. Thy kingdom come. And the next statement, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. That's the plan. So you see the program and the plan is that the beginning of your prayer life Pray for the work of God, if I could keep it as simple as possible. First of all, before you start bombarding heaven uh, for your needs or my needs, Lord, heal me, Lord, help me with my bills, Lord, I need more money, I need tires for my car, and I, I need a new car, you know, I need a new job, and I need this and that, and we can do that. We can go with our laundry list of requests. This is all about me, and that's okay. We're going to get to me in a minute. But boy, I think we would really get a proper perspective of life every day if we said, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. Let me just spend the first part of my prayer life thinking about thy kingdom coming, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Now, how is it in heaven? (laughs) Everything is done his way. Everybody, every person up there, every departed spirit up there, every angel up there obeys the Lord. The rest have been kicked out. They do God's will in heaven. And his, our prayer is supposed to be, Lord, your will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Everybody in heaven is saved. So what should our prayer be for those on earth? We need to pray for those that are unsaved to be saved. That goes, that goes under this point. I don't have them numbered, but that's the program. Lord, everybody needs to be saved. That's the plan. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Then the saved need to be sanctified, made holy, and separated under the service of God. And so when you're praying like that, you're praying in God's will. And so if we pray for somebody, Lord, and say, Oh, God, help uh, uh, Brother Jim over here. He's not walking with ye. He's saved, but he's not sanctified. He's not serving you. And I want to pray whatever it takes, Lord, to bring Jim back so that he'd Be sanctified and serve you. Okay, you're praying for God's kingdom to be done and His will to be done on earth. And when you're praying for the missionaries who are out there and going through your lists, and when you're praying for those in authority over us, all these things are God's will. It says so in the Bible. And so you can spend a lot of time under Numbers 3 and 4, the program and the plan. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven, or in heaven, or how's the words go here? Uh, Thy will be done as in heaven, so in earth. Now we get to provision, number five, uh, for this model prayer, this outline prayer to follow. Give us this day our daily bread. Now, I don't know if we can expand that to all of our needs, not necessarily greeds, but having food and clothing there with be content, that'd be amazing if we could live that way. Uh, But our society has developed into a very mobile society, and so it's good to have a car, it's good to have shelter over your head, and I don't think it's wrong to pray for that under number five, provision, provision, pray for God. You may be surprised at what miracles God might do if you'd pray first before you put it on plastic. God may just have some miracles for you and me. If we would pray first about things and say, Lord, I know I could go out and buy this. Uh, 
but uh, Lord, maybe you would uh, uh, take care of this. Give us this day our daily bread. And and boy, the, the Russians, they bottled up that grain coming out of the Ukraine yesterday. Did you hear about that? Man, this country's going to get, I don't know about this country. We're, we're pretty good, uh, America, but a lot of this country is in drought. And even this area has been declared to be in mild drought. Uh, we, may, we may be in for a humbling here. Uh, and we may even have to learn someday what that verse means. Gives us, give us this day our daily bread. I don't know. I hope not, but uh, I don't know. But I, I would encourage you to have some storage food. I've said that a few times. Provision. Give us this day our daily bread. And then pardon. Forgive us of our debts. Uh, forgive us our, our sins as we forgive everyone that is indebted to us. You'd be amazed at how many times this subject of forgiveness is attached to prayer. It says, and when you stand praying, forgive. If you have ought against anything, God just will not give us any slack in this area of forgiving people. And uh, so every single time we pray, there's an examination time saying, have you pardoned others as I have forgiven you? Uh, and I know some people have been hurt really bad. I remember Corey Tenboom when she met the Gestapo uh, guy at a meeting years later, but uh, she survived the concentration camp. Her sister didn't, and I think her mother died. I forgot who, but this guy was in charge of them, and her family died under his... He gets saved, and he ends up at a fellowship meeting of some kind, and she walks right into him. And uh, she couldn't believe what she was looking at. It would have been like Ananias looking at Paul, uh, saying, Lord, I've heard a lot of things about this guy. And God said, no, receive Paul. He's a special chosen vessel. And she had to forgive him. He put his hand out to shake her hand, and boy, she had to make a decision. Can you imagine that? And I know some of you have been hurt in the past, and some of you have carried that with you for a long time, but... I wish I could soft soap this tonight, but I can't. And forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us. And there's debts, there's transgressions, they're both opposites. Uh, in debt, uh, indebtedness is when they're supposed to do something for you and they don't. Transgression is when they do something to you they shouldn't have done. People can sin both ways, you know. Uh, boy, I married this guy and he said he was going to love me and he hasn't loved me. He didn't pay his debt. He didn't keep his vows. Didn't keep his word. Well, got to forgive him, etc. Pardon. Number seven. Protection. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Man, that needs to be a daily prayer because you never know. You have no idea what temptation you might face tomorrow, and sometimes we can walk right into it. And it's not, uh, we're not ready for it. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us. We need to pray for deliverance. We need to pray for, this is talking about protection. God, help me today. It's an evil world. It's getting worse by the day. Help me, Lord, today. Give me grace. Like Brother Keith was teaching this morning about uh, stay out of the world, you know. Don't say, Lord, I really am trying to overcome the world and then go to the bar or go to the casino or go to the 
rock concert in town or something like that and then expect God to come down and give you some kind of supernatural sprinkle dust or something so that you can overcome the temptation. Lot, he used, Brother Keith used Lot as a, he pitched his tent towards Sodom. He did it on purpose and then he went down living with him. And you'll wonder why the guy had incest with his daughters and was drunk and was a poor testimony, had no influence on his family. Now this is not in Luke's account, but number eight is preeminence, preeminence, because the prayer ends with these words in Matthew's account, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever, amen. It's about God. That's kind of a humbling thing there at the end, preeminence, it's not about us, it's about God. We say that easily sometimes, well it's not about us, but boy, living it is a different thing. And so there's a little outline on uh, the uh, model prayer, alliterated. Maybe that'll help you. But I would at least, I would at least try to get you and your kids to memorize this model prayer so then when you get down and pray, it can lead you. Our Father, which art in heaven, that means I'm your child, you're in heaven. And I'm down here on earth, you're above me. Uh, Lord, uh, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. You're a holy God. I'm not. Uh, Lord, help me to acknowledge your holy. And then you just go through the model prayer. Thy kingdom come. Okay, I need to pray. What are some of the requests I've gotten recently from missionaries? What have I heard coming up at the church? What am I trying to do in Christian service? What am I trying to do? Like the ladies just sang about telling somebody about Christ, the truth and the way, and and that's kingdom building. That's kingdom building. And, and uh, Lord, I'm here to build your kingdom. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done, Lord. To help people to get saved. Help people to get right with God. And you just go through it mentally, and it gives you an outline. Now, it doesn't end there, though. But I need to end here pretty soon. But in verse 5, we see introduced to us, after he gives us this model prayer, the subject of importunity you will see the word used once in verse 8, importunity. Now, I want to encourage you to just forget whenever, what else anybody's ever taught you. Sometimes people say, well, you just have to ask once in God's will and leave it there. What does Jesus say about that? All right, let's read his words. Which of you, verse 5, shall have a friend and shall go unto him at midnight and say unto him, Friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine in his journey has come to me, and I have nothing to set before him. And he from within shall answer and say, Trouble me not. The door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give thee. I say unto you, though he will not rise and give him, because he is his friend, yet because of his importunity. He will rise and give him as many as he needeth. And I say unto you, ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. Now, based on the story of importunity in verses 5 through 8, verse 9, he's saying to us, And I say unto you, keep on asking. And it shall be given you, keep on seeking, you shall find, keep on knocking, and it shall be opened on you. Because the word importunity in the dictionary means this, 
stubbornly or unreasonably persistent in request or demand, repeated and insistent requests. Let me say that one more time, Here's because it's the only time you'll find this word in the Bible. It's the only time the word importunity, and so because it's only in there once, you may skip it over in your reading and not stop and say, wait a minute, this is one of the keys to a good prayer life. Is this word, what does it mean? And the word importunity means stubbornly or unreasonably persistent. And it's the picture of this guy knocking and knocking and knocking and knocking. This guy's in bed with his kids. He's got to have some loaves because some guests came to his house. He has nothing to feed him. And he won't stop and he won't stop. And the guy finally gets up and says, you know what? He's not going away. Let me just go down there and give him what he wants so we can get back to bed and have some sleep. And Jesus said, and I say unto you, ask like that and you shall receive. Seek like that. Lord, seek. I mean, if you come across the verse and say, oh God, I don't know what this means. What is this saying? And you just keep seeking and seeking and seeking. Eventually God's going to show you what that means. Knock. Knock. And, and sometimes persistent knocking means more than once. You've got to knock over and over and over again. And uh, God opens there. We've been knocking on the door up in East Concord for, boy, months and months and months. And we've sent them letters. We'd like to help you open your church, reopen your church. It's been closed, and we're willing. And Pastor Friedman and I have been discussing the, the potential of us maybe helping to get that church open. And we're knocking, knocking. We've been sending them letters. We'll help you. My name is Pastor Cole. This is Pastor Friedman. We're free to come up at certain times and get some services going, get that church open. For years it's been closed. He calls me this afternoon and he says, two ladies from the East Concord Community Church came to service today uh, in Springville and they've been asking me questions. We're going to just keep knocking. Now the door might close. I don't know what God's will is, but I think it's God's will to be open. And we knock and you knock and you knock and you knock and you seek and you, you, you ask. And uh, I don't know, but by faith, by faith, I hope, I'm going to stop right here tonight because there's more to this and I guess it won't be a short course on prayer because I'm only halfway through my notes. But, um, boy, I, I've just noticed in my life, some of you notice that in your life, that if you just keep asking, even when something seems dead, uh, like you've probably heard the testimony about the Cattaraugus Church, Brightway Baptist Church. We sent them a letter. We didn't hear a thing for two years. Just prayed about it. Just kept praying, say, Lord, if it's your will, if it's your will. They thought we were nuts. Because they wanted 85,000. I sent them a letter and said, we'll give you 30. <laughs> I didn't hear from them. Didn't hear from them. Just minding my own business at my office. The phone rings one day. Hey, so-and-so from the Apostolic Church headquarters in Erie, Pennsylvania. I said, yeah, what for? You still interested in that building uh, over in Cataraugus? I said, yeah. I said, all we have is about $30,000. He says, okay, we'll take that. And so the church has been going since 2015 out there. We've got a building for thirty grand nowadays. Man, we, get, we, hit, we hit some of those buildings at the right time, I'll tell you. 
uh, compared to what it is now. God was really in that. But I want to encourage you to add importunity to your prayer life. And if you're if you got a prodigal son, prodigal daughter, you got somebody who's lost and you want them to be saved, you know, and just uh, or some particular need, even healing. Boy, some of these people in the Bible had their infirmities for like 38 years, and God came along like it was nothing and and healed them. And uh, I don't know what He'll do for you. I was talking to Dave yesterday, Pastor B.A., about his youngest daughter. All of her life, she's been on this extremely strict diet and uh, he said pastor he's getting she's getting so much better now they're taking out the g-tube or whatever that thing is called and, and now she's pretty much on regular diet so wow remember levi burkowski when he had leukemia and i looked at him and said boy this boy's just about dead man he's just about fine now he's up in his 20s and buzzing around and just sometimes you just just, you know, God, just keep praying and keep praying and keep praying and keep praying uh, about uh, about things. And uh, so there's some things to think about prayer. Remember, Christ, Jesus, and John were models. Be a model prayer warrior so others will look at you and be inspired by your model to pray. And then remember the model prayer that we went through and uh, the word Uh, importunity importunity let's turn to page 368 368 we'll change the number here 368 did you think to pray how is your prayer life it's been good but what about in the summertime man I have to work at it to make sure I don't say well I got so much to do today no Christ was in a certain place for a certain time, praying, and he was busy. Oh boy, was he busy. Got to pray. Let's stand together and sing. If you want to come, pray about your prayer life. Pray about anybody or anything. Let's come to the altar tonight and pray.